You're listening to a Cripple and Co. production. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Clonawilly.com. Clonawilly and Clonopussy are do-yourself molding kits that allow anyone to make an exact replica of any penis or vulva into a sex toy at home. All materials are ethically sourced and 100% body safe. If you shop at clonawilly.com right now and use the promo code DARKPOD at checkout, you can get 20% off site-wide. Wow! That's a deal that cannot be cloned. I talked to one of the representatives the other day, and they are more than willing to answer any questions you have about how to make your own clone of willy or clone of pussy, how to use the kit. They're so, so willing to go on this journey of cloning a willy or cloning a pussy with you. And they're super nice and super responsive to any concerns. So if you want to pick up your own clone of willy or clone of pussy kit right now, head over to clonawilly.com and use promo code DARKPOD. That's D-A-R-K-P-O-D at checkout right now. And remember... This is a deal that cannot be cloned. Hey, Andrew, how are you? Hey, Kristen. I'm okay, but if I'm really honest, I haven't been doing super great lately. I'm kind of super really really down. Oh, no. I'm sorry to hear that. Well, you and I talk all the time. We talk every day. And you know I've been thinking about going to therapy, but... I've been to therapists before, and I'm afraid that a therapist wouldn't understand all my disability stuff. And you know how much I love talking about disability, right? Yeah, I hear you have, like, a whole podcast about it. Right? I mean, I talk about it all the time, everywhere. And I'm just worried that I don't want to explain to a therapist, like, what is ableism? What is disability? Like, I don't want to do that before we get into my stuff, you know? Yeah, that's fair. You shouldn't have to, like, fully educate a therapist before starting a therapeutic process and I think that's really hard because honestly you deserve support from someone who gets it you get it you're my best you, like you're my best friend you get it what do you think I should do I mean I think you should find a disability informed support person to help you work through this if anyone listening to this is interested I'm actually offering disability informed support for $40 per session Whoa, whoa, $40 a session? That's super cheap. The last time I checked, one session was like over 100 bucks. But we can still talk about disability stuff, right? Oh, absolutely. Like everything from like physical changes in your body to ableism and exploring internalized ableism, grief that comes with disability, chronic pain, all that good, terrible stuff that so many of us live It's so fun, isn't it? It's like so it's great. It's the best. Yes. And I, I know you also do, you also offer support for non-disabled people too, right? Yeah, I do support for able-bodied and non-disabled people as well because really, I mean, everyone gets sick or experiences illness or vulnerability at some time in their life. And while that's a different experience than living with chronic disability, I think it's all very related. And if you're going through any sort of life change where you're having grief related to bodily change or body difference I'm more than happy to support you with that as well. I think everybody deserves and needs affordable support. I think that it's such a great thing you're offering and I 
want to make sure that all the lovely listeners of Disability After Dark can reach you. How do they do that? Okay, well, right now they can reach me by email. It's Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-E-N, dot Williams, W-I-L-L-I-A-M-S, one zero at gmail.com. And you can email me there to ask me questions or uh, let me know if you'd like more information, or you can go straight to booking a support session with me. Awesome. Well, I, I can't... I can't speak any more highly of this amazing thing. I'm so excited that there's finally disability-centered support for stuff like ableism and for stuff like internalized ableism and all the stuff that we go through that we never get to talk about. And thank you so much for offering it and for putting yourself out there, Kristen. Aw, thanks, Andrew. I hope you feel better soon. Me too. Thanks. Bye. Bye. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. We call it Slicking the Bean. Choking the chicken, giving yourself a hand, auditioning finger puppets. There's a million and one names for the old five-finger shuffle, and yet hundreds of millions of people are unable to sauce the taco due to disability, aging, or illness. That's where we come in, if you'll pardon the phrase. At Bumpin', we've created the world's first accessible sex toy, so people with limited mobility, hand issues, and disabilities can celebrate Palm Sunday just like everyone else. If you agree that everyone deserves sexual pleasure, help us spread the self-love and fund an orgasm for those in need. Give the gift of the big O at getbumpin.com. That's G-E-T-B-U-M-P-N dot com. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. This is a podcast that looks at disability stories. It's like sitting down with a really close friend to have a real conversation about disability, sexuality, and everything else about the disability experience that we don't talk about. The things about being disabled, we keep in the dark. Here is your deliciously disabled host, disability awareness consultant, Andrew Gerza. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to the show, friends. And thank you so much for clicking on this brand new episode of Disability After Dark, episode 318, now on our new two-week schedule. Every two weeks, you'll get a brand new episode because your deliciously disabled daddy needs a little bit of a break. It needs to take a little bit of a breather. So we're still pumping out content, but uh, it'll be every two weeks. So this is this is our two-week mark, and I'm so excited to bring you the episode that I'm going to bring you today. So, so excited to share this with you. So, as always, let's get comfy, cozy, and crippled and get the show started. Even though we're doing it every two weeks now, I still want you to be a part of the show. I want to hear your story around disability. I want you to shine a light on your experience of being disabled with me on the show if you want to do that, please email me at disabilityafterdarkpod at gmail.com. 
and let me know you want to be on the show and we will go from there. I, I, I have a sign up sheet, but it's being a bit wonky. So I would urge you to email me disabilityafterdarkpod at gmail.com. Let me know. Be like, Hey, Andrew, want to be on the show? I want to talk to you. I would love to invite you on the program and hear your story. And we're always taking guests. It may take a while for your episode to air, but we're always taking guests. So I'd love to invite you on the show. But now, really, let's get started. On the episode today, I sit down with my new friend and somebody who I fucking admire and love sitting down with, my new friend, dancer and filmmaker, Kelsey Peterson, as she has starred in a new film called Move Me, a new documentary all about her experience going from a dancer to somebody with paralysis and what that means for her. And we have such an important conversation about her experience of being 10 years as a disabled person and how ableism and internalized ableism still come up for her in her life. We talk about the importance of her film, Move Me, which is now available on the PBS video app to watch right now. I got a sneak peek of it. It is one of the best disability documentaries I've ever seen. It is so important. I urge you to have a watch. So, so important. We have a real candid conversation about disability. We have some laughs. And there are guests that I have. I love all my guests on the show. But there are guests that I have that we get into the deep stuff and the real stuff. And we just have a chat. And with Kelsey, it felt like that. We recorded this back in March of 2022. And she asked me to hold off until her film premiered in November. So that's why it's some months later. But I loved sitting down with her. It was such an important conversation in learning how somebody goes from being non-disabled to disabled in a split second. And how they navigate their own feelings around that. And it was so just transformative to listen to Kelsey talk about her experiences and talk about what that was with humor and grace and grit and honesty and realness. And I just loved every second of this interview and really getting to the heart of what the disability experience and and coming into the disability experience can be like for some people. Because again, I'm somebody with CP So my disability is congenital, and her disability is acquired, and they're completely different experiences, but both of them are very valid, and we have a chat about all that, too, a little bit. So I loved sitting down with Kelsey. I loved watching her film Move Me. I loved that I get to promote work like this, and I cannot wait for you to hear my latest interview with Kelsey Peterson, right here on Disability After Dark. Kelsey, hello. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to have you on the show. And thank you so so much for signing up and saying that you wanted to be here and saying that you were a fan of mine all before we started recording. Yeah, I'm such a fan. I'm stoked to be here. I can't, I was, I saw your, your post on Instagram and I was like, yes, please. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, I, I make the show from my bedroom. Like you can see, like where I'm, I'm basically in my bedroom right now doing a show so it's always weird when people are like oh I listen to you I'm like really wow like my show is ridiculous but okay sure like, we're both in our bedrooms we're we're in this together I like your bedroom it looks really nice when I can see like light and it looks very like warehousey 
Yeah, I'm actually in a in a rental, and there's lots of light in here. I'm here for the winter because being in oh. my house would be crazy right now because it's not winterized and it's oh. off grid and crazy the whole thing. Fun, fun times. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's spring at least. It is. No. It's coming. It's coming. We um a lot of my friends do um sugar bush here, so they they do maple syruping and it, the trees are are running with sap right now, so it's a fun time, a busy time for a lot of people and a time to to get some goodies from the earth, you know, like things are coming up. I love I love um I'm a Canadian. So I love maple syrup. Anything maple syrup is like, yeah, I'll do it. Whereas it like that would Even be great. Yeah, pretty much in everything. Pancakes, waffles, bread. I'm good with it. Mm-hmm. Anything, anything sweet. I'm like, yeah, sure. Um, You're like Buddy the Elf. Pretty much, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly like it. I mean, I'm not as cool as Will Ferrell, but yes. <laughs> to be determined. Yeah, TBD. Uh, <laughs> so let's jump right in to this chat today. So can you... if can you introduce yourself to the audience first? Tell us who you are, what you do. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Kelsey. I'm 37. I just turned 37. I had to think about that for a second. My birthday was on the 14th. Um, Happy birthday. Thank you. Um, I have been a C6 quadriplegic since July 4th, 2012. Coming up on 10 years this summer. Holy moly. Um, and I'm a dancer, choreographer, filmmaker, writer. Um, I just started a new healing practice. My film is coming out. I finally, we announced our, um, world festival premiere this week, which is really exciting. Um, we'll be at full frame, um, which is all virtual this year. Um, and then we'll also be at Real Abilities, which is, for those of you who don't know, um, I bet a lot of you do in this audience, Real Abilities is a festival for and about people with disabilities. Um, so all the films are made by or about us. And yeah. I'm really excited to be there and to present this film to our community. It's a huge honor. Awesome. Well, maybe I can get a, maybe I can get a sneak peek of the film yeah that could be arranged maybe i'll have to say i guess i'd love to see it and we'll talk about your film in a second but let's let's start with like so you're kind of a baby disabled person like 10 years this this wow like like, that's that's a whole new experience like for you Mm -hmm. i was born in a disabled body so it's different for me Mm -hmm. i know how like i know how um different it can be to to have disabled kind of built in but when you become disabled I know from talking to others, it's a completely different experience. So I'd love for you to first start off with sharing how, what is your disability specifically and how does it impact your day to day? Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm like a second grader basically in this <laughs> disability experience, you know, like I keep reminding myself of that so that I can like be patient with myself and like, you know, find more grace in this experience and, yeah, and like, yeah, it's cool that I'm still learning. And, um, so my, I'm not, uh, 
fully independent. I need help, you know, getting out of bed in the morning, getting dressed, doing all that showering, baby, you know, all that fun stuff. All that fun, another person in your shower kind of day thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, super great. Um, but it has its moments of beauty for sure. Um, and then uh, with my night cares as well, um, I can drive, which is cool. I love that. It's very... Jealous. I can't. Dang. So jealous. Jealous. <laughs> I'll take you on a ride in my car, dude. Amazing. I'm here for it. <laughs> um, so yeah, my day to day, right now, I'm, I feel a little bit more disabled than I normally do because I'm living in a winter wonderland and I'm kind of stuck <laughs> inside. Uh, I don't know if you live in, in a place with winter. I think I do. Maybe. I do. I live in winter. What 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 part of winter? Like what, what part of the states are you in? I live on Madeline Island in Wisconsin. So it's very- oh Wisconsin. I know people from there. Yeah. yeah. So it's very remote and quiet. There's like 400 people on this island year round, and uh, there's a literally a road of ice right now that connects us two miles from across the water to the mainland oh yeah and as a wheelchair user i'm sure that's super accessible for you yeah you know i took it over here and i have not (laughs) gone that you know (laughs) it's not an ideal mode of transportation so um yeah does that answer your question i can't remember what the other half yeah it does just tell me how like disability impacts your day to day so you need help with everything um and like what is it like to kind of be coming into this identity? Like you're 10 years on this July. It's still pretty new. Like, you know, one of the things I talk about on the show all the time is disability grief and kind of moving through some of the things like, mm-hmm. and I know as somebody with a, with a congenital disability, I've have lost function. I've lost things like that. But for you, like, would you, would you mind sharing the more like, not that I want to glorify what happened, but I'm interested to hear like your experience going from non-disabled to disabled. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. It's, it's such an ongoing process for me. And honestly, I think things have changed the most since making our film. Um, I wasn't even able to, to, to say I have a disability. I'm a person with a disability for a long time. Like, I I don't think I was able to say that until probably, you know, and feel like empowered by it and find find, like beauty and strength and my badassery within that, you know? Yeah. Um, Until probably a few years ago. Wow. Yeah. And I feel like, my level of self-love and not even like my acceptance, but my love for my body and myself as a woman with a disability has just like grown exponentially in the, just in the last couple years, you know, um, which has been amazing. It's been completely life-changing, you know, it was like really, really hard for me I think especially as a I grew up a dancer so I I danced my whole life I went to yeah for dance I got my degree in it like that my body was very much and what I could do with it was very much about like 
who my there was my identity in a really big way and it was a big part of my social life and um where I think a lot of my confidence came from and it um to have that change so dramatically like I think it just took me even longer to to figure out who I was like this and to like find a new path and you know squash the um internalized ableism that was, that's so strong yeah especially when you're like staring in a mirror all, all the time like you know trying to be perfect and comparing yourself to other dancer bodies so it's been a journey for sure for sure um still is before you became disabled what was your like view of other disabled bodies did you you Mm -hmm. how how did you feel about disability before you became one of us how that's such a good question I think I really I remember the first time I like was kind of smacked in the face with my own ableism as a person with a disability I'm ready let's go which is like a total mind fuck because oh yeah it's like you're in this body and you are a person with a disability, but you're like not really because you're yeah. not like mentally in that space yet. Yeah. Or and maybe ever. Like some of us don't, some right. people don't ever get there. Like, right. It's like this constant um, learning curve. And there's, I mean, it's still unfolding for me, you know, like I still am like, whoa, that's hardcore that I have that thought. But I, I um I met this guy at the at Courage. It was called the Courage Center at the time. It's now Courage Kenny in Minneapolis, and he had CP, and he was non. The best of the palsies. The best of the palsies. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, obviously. And uh, <laughs> I I realized while I was talking to him that I had equated like his intelligence like I as an able-bodied person I didn't understand that like just because he's non-verbal like doesn't doesn't mean that he's can't not. understand you yeah yeah and I I like in that moment was like holy shit I have so much to figure out and like it was just such a strange I immediately felt like more connected to this person and like wanted to understand more and also wanted to understand more about my ableism and 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 what I was carrying that was not serving myself or anyone else yeah I mean I've certainly had moments like that on this show I've had guests who've who've emailed me and said I want to come on but I'm nonverbal and my brain is the producer of the show and trying to make it like a a wide show for everyone will think Oh, well, if you can't speak, how are we going to do this? Like, it's not accessible to my audience. And then I'll have to stop myself and be like, fuck you, Andrew. That's not fair. Like, they have a story. They deserve to tell it, find a way to make it accessible. Right. And so I've had a few guests where I've had to, like, they'll be talking and they'll have, you know, the CP accent, which is sometimes really hard to get your ear out. And so I'll have to, as somebody with CP, I'll be like, Oh, I can't understand them in my head, but then also be like, shut the fuck up and listen for a minute 
and you'll be able to understand them and they're, they're communicating. So don't, don't disown them before they get a chance to share their knowledge. Like let them, like it's your ableism that you have to deal with, not theirs. Mm-hmm. So I, I think internalized ableism and lateral ableism and all that stuff is so prevalent in our communities and we all have to do better. All of us, all the time. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of this scene in Crip Camp. Did you see the Crip Camp? Oh, of course, of course, yeah, of course. And um, the what was her name? The woman with CP, and um, they were at camp, and she was the one who got crabs. Um, no, not her. But <laughs> she's amazing too. <laughs> um, uh, she was what was her name? She was speaking with another, she was speaking to the whole group and it was really hard to understand Yeah. what she was saying. And her, another friend, uh, I can't remember his name either. I'm doing really badly at explaining this, but he sort of translated for her as a person with CP. He like understood her yeah. and she had this moment to like express herself to the group and to hear her be understood by someone. It, by someone else and to have him show up for her and communicate her message to the group. It was just such a beautiful moment. I just, it just brought me to tears. Yeah. That movie, I'm going to review it for the show. Eventually I've been teasing that I would do it for years and then I get busy and forget. So eventually I'm going to sit down and watch it properly and do a proper review. But like that movie, it makes me like tear up every time I think about it because it was just so such an important thing but but yeah. I want to talk about a little yeah. bit about your movie today too before we get but before we get there tell me more about like just your journey with with ableism oh man um oh that's such a big question where to begin I think um I think for me <laughs> someone's at my door <laughs> Take this your time. Is, this is no life right now. Hold on, I'm gonna answer this and try no worries. no worries. Sorry if that scared the crap out of you. The dog definitely scared the crap out of me. I was like, what is going on? Oh, no. <laughs> I saw the, like, the, like, CP switch. Yeah, the immediate, like, what the fuck is that noise? Like, shit, sorry. <laughs> oh, it's okay, it's okay. I was, luckily, I was not holding anything, and I didn't throw anything across the room. Right, just, like, yeah. beverages everywhere. <laughs> my dog used to bark when my friend, my friend Natalie has CP, and she'd be over, and my dog would bark, and... Things would just go flying. Everywhere. Juice. Whatever you're holding in your hand. There it goes. There it is. I'm like, ah, sorry. Um, 
Wanted to go again? Oh, yeah, you asked about my journey with ableism. Yeah. Do you want me yeah. to like, pose the question again? Sure. Uh, is that more I'll, streamlined? Yeah. I'll cut out the dog barking and me jumping, although it was hilarious. Um, or maybe I won't. Maybe it'll be hilarious. We'll just I'll keep it all in. Um, yeah. But tell me about kind of your journey, just more of your journey with confronting ableism. Yeah. I feel like it's just, it's such an ongoing thing, you know? I mean, even as I'm reading The Body is Not an Apology right now, I'm I'm digging more into, I'm digging more into ableism and how to squash it and how to squash some really harmful narratives. And I'm learning about things that I'm holding on to. I mean, I still, like, find myself, you know, sometimes looking at my body and being like, holy shit, like, this is my, this is my body. And it's been 10 years, but I still have, you know, like those insecurities and, oh, I remember when I used to look like this and, oh, I miss my butt and, or like I'll you know, feel um, invisible sometimes when I'm in public and I have this, like, I can, I can feel like the old me being, wishing that I was still able-bodied so I could, and I could feel like my ego getting, like, damaged when I don't get checked out like I used to, you know? Like stuff like that still stinks sometimes, and um, you know, I'll I'll be I'll feel desexualized in a group of people where normally I would have been like annoyingly hit on, you know. And so it's like a strange thing where you're like, oh, I miss being objectified almost. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Which is a strange thing. It's like you're confronting your own vanity. But I totally get it because I, being born disabled, I have never been objectified in the way that I want to. I mean, I've had to manufacture that objectification through hiring a sex worker or through, like, you know, being perceived as hypersexual when I'm really just a shy, awkward bird that wants to be, like, loved by somebody. So, like, but, you know, I understand the wanting to be objectified like everybody else does. And like, I, I, I've never known what that's like, but you having known what that's like, I'm sure there's a sense of loss for you there. Yeah. And it's, it's just a weird thing to work through because I feel like I'm confronted with my own ego a lot. And so there's like so much to learn when I'm almost like forced to dig into it. You know, it's not like I can, I feel like it was a lot easier to hide from my own bullshit before yeah and now it's not it's just like it's it's right up in your face and it's like okay what what does that mean and why is this in my way right now and what do I need to do to work through it so that I can move forward and not feel so affected by everyone's reaction to me or how I might feel about it or how I might feel about myself in this 
10 year old second grader disabled body, you know, like, (laughs) how do I feel? How do I love myself more? And how do I just, when I, when these things come up, dissect them and, and take my own judgment out and squash the bullshit. Yeah, I mean, to that I would say, if I can offer a suggestion to you, I would say, like, don't squash it. Feel it. Let it be what it is. Know that it's there. Know that the internalized ableism is a real thing that we all feel all the time. Because I think what happens with ableism for both non-disabled and disabled people is we're taught not to talk about it. So we don't talk about it or we don't feel it or we don't move through it. We just ignore that it's there. Non-disabled people will, will ignore the ableism and say stuff like, oh, they just didn't know any better. They didn't mean it. And then disabled people will be like, I'm having internalized ableism, but I don't want to call it that. So I'm not going to call it that. And we, we've been taught to like squash the narrative or change the conversation. And it's like, well, what if we didn't change it? What if we just sat with it? And like, sure, it's going to suck balls for a little bit and it's not going to feel very good. But it's there, and I think we because ableism is such a we all know what it is, and we all know as disabled people what it feels like, but we don't use it in everyday language, we don't talk about it enough, and I think if we start sitting with those feelings and writing them down and like discussing mm-hmm. them and like last night I spoke to somebody who has a different disability and who is dealing with a whole bunch of other kind of ableism, and I said the same thing, I was like, talk about the ableism make it a poem, write it down, like write about it. Cause I think we need to know what it is in order to move through it. Not necessarily to squash, but to like move through. Right. I think that's really good advice. It's, it's so true in so many areas of our lives, right. Where we, we get uncomfortable with something. And I think it's a lot easier for us to just brush it away and not really look at it. And like you said, sit with it and get to know it a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm friends with my ableism. I hate it. And sometimes we're not great friends, but he, mm-hmm. you know, he's there. I know him. Yeah. We understand each other. And I, I talk about it a lot because we don't talk about it enough. And right. I just think in our, in, especially for a lot of people who become disabled, I think, there's this narrative, and again, I could be speaking out of my ass, so correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that, like, a lot of people who become disabled through through however they become disabled are taught to to move through ableism without even looking at it, to, to, to just, it's not there, don't worry about it, keep going, be a superhero, right. move through. Right, and it's also, like, where are the people you can actually have this fucking conversation with? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who's going to be, I think that's a big reason too, is that like, who's, who wants to show up for this conversation and how do we find those people in our lives? Yeah. You, you know? Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I'm so glad we could have the conversation today, but I want to, I want to talk a little bit about, because one of the things you said was like, not only moving through your ableism, but so since you went from non-disabled to disabled so quickly, how has that changed your relationships with family, friends, people you know? Oh, that's a big one. It's a really big one. Um, 
That's been, that's been tough, you know, that's been challenging. I think, um, especially with family, I feel like some of my, I feel like my family's showed up for me in a lot of huge ways. Yeah. Um, and I've, I'm really lucky that I have the support system that I do. Um, but I think it's also really hard for the people who have been in your lives the longest to really wrap their brain around how much your life has changed and yeah. to know how to show up for you sometimes and how to show up together, like for each other and, and learn together, you know, like I am still trying to, you know, like my, my relationship with my sister, I think has had the most, the biggest struggle with that because I think it's really hard for her to not see me as her big sister who's can do anything and does whatever she wants, whenever she wants. Cause it's kind of been how I am. I'm just like, fuck it. I can do this on my own. Yeah. If I want to drive across the country, I'm going to do it. If I want to, you know, I always was that person in her life. And so I think it's really hard for her to surrender and accept that, like, I need more help now. And being close to me means honoring that and being open and compassionate and empathetic towards that. And I think... um I know for both of us, it's been really challenging at times to, to, to shift a really like a relationship that's been one way for, for 27 years and had to move into this different dynamic. Um, I mean, it makes me emotional just thinking about it because it's been so hard. Um, Yeah, it's. That kind of those those relationships where you and I have a similar thing of like when I'm when I want to hang out with somebody, if you really want to get to know me and hang out and spend some time together, you might have to help me go pee, or you might have to help me take a poo, or you might have to help me have a drink, and like it's really hard to see those little things that we take for granted, like a drink or the bathroom or whatever it is, when we're in relationships with people. And needing them to do it for us then can be really tough and really different. I was with a, I was in a photo shoot a couple months ago with my sister. She had was visiting from Australia and we're close. We run a sex toy company together, and so cool. we're, yeah, we're we're close. But she never really helped me in the bathroom, and so I had to go to the shoot and do stuff for the for the brand. And she said, "Oh, I'll help you," and I was like cool you know that means you're gonna have to like touch my you're gonna have to like put a catheter at my dick right you you get that she goes oh yeah it's fine and so we did it we did it but I was so nervous the whole time because I was like you've been my sister my whole life and we've never done this I don't know how to wow like I don't know how to do this with you and be and it was fine and we laughed it was like it was fun it was good but it was like really interesting for me to be like oh it's okay if if she helps you. It's all right. Like, mm-hmm. like it, it was just a different thing for us to do. And also yeah. because I've, I've only been able to 
used catheters for the last five years because I lost the ability to pee. So it was a whole like, oh, you get to be really close to me in a way that is super intimate, but doesn't. But it's really it was really strange at the same time. So I get it. I mm-hmm. understand the shift of like, how do you shift? And for you, like, how do you shift being the big sister to still being the big sister, but being the big sister that now needs a hand? Like, I can imagine that was a, a huge shift for you. It was, yeah. My that's funny because my brother did my cares when we were on a road trip together, and we laughed a lot, and it was it was awkward <laughs> and. And crazy and weird and awesome at the same time, you know, like, I'm like, thank you for showing up for me in this way. I I gave him the option. I was like, okay, so either mom is coming with us or she's not. And you have to do my cares. Yeah. Let me think about it. He calls me the next day. He's like, all right, I'll do it. (laughs) (laughs) That's how much that you would rather not have mom come with (laughs) But don't, isn't that, like, I love we love our mother, but like yeah, yeah. Funny. Isn't that such a weird thing though? When you like ask somebody, and then you have to, and they'll be like, "Okay, I'll think about it," and then you have to sit in like that weird space of like, yes. what if they're thinking no? What if they're uncomfortable? What if I just made them super weird? What if I like made it super strange for them? And then the pause of like, okay, I thought about it, and then they pause for a minute, and you're like. <gasps> Is it yes or is it no? Oh, what, yes. are we gonna, what are we going to do? Like, I don't think people understand the, the pressure we put on ourselves of asking you. Like, I'm sure it wasn't an easy thing for you to be like, hey, bro, I need you to, like, cast me or whatever it was. Right. Like, no, not at all. I mean, we're talking, I had my period. He had to, like, you know, and <laughs> like, that was the whole, oh, my God. I was like, I'm so sorry for you right now. But, <laughs> <laughs> I got a shower, I got a poop, and you gotta help me. He yeah. Like, All right, this is crazy, but let's do this. Amazing. Yeah. So we we made it work. It's interesting now. I feel like I feel like um my my friends who I've had and like my family, they a lot of them have really gone above and beyond. But I think it's it's harder for your old friends to recalibrate and and adjust than it is when you meet new friends, make new friends, and they're like, oh, they only know me in this body. Yeah. And so it's not like they're clinging on to the past or who I used to be in the body I used to live in. And they're not, they're not missing that exp- those experiences that we used to have, which is totally... Yeah, yeah valid to miss that I miss that too but sometimes it can become harmful yeah it's super harmful like you know I can only imagine for you and I've talked to other people who have spinal cord injury like having family and friends always like oh you used to do this remember when you could do that and it's like well yeah I do remember but why do you have to bring it up all the time thanks for reminding me yeah like is it how do you when let's say a family member like says that to you how do you or do you have any tools yet to gently be like, thanks, but let's, you know, you don't have to constantly remember how it was this way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, how, how do we, let's, let's come into the now guys. And like, I think I've just had to, 
to develop some strong boundaries, you know, like if you can't be here with me now, then I can't give you too much of myself. Yeah. Of my time, my energy, my love. Because it just hurts too much, I imagine. Exactly. I mean, I literally had to tell my sister, like, we, I remember sitting down in the park with her and both of us just sobbed. And I just told her, like, if you can't show up for me in this way and, like, try to understand my experience more and, you know, show me some more compassion and empathy, dude, then then we can't be close, <laughs> which is fucked up. <laughs> it's a, it's really hard to have those conversations, and I've had yeah. that with I've had that with family members. Like if you can't understand what I'm going through, or not even willing to try to understand, then we can't hang out, or we can't yeah. I can't know you because you don't you because because when you I think when you are a disabled person, and when you realize that hanging out with us, like I said earlier, needs you need means you need help, means you need support, means that a simple hangout might mean doing a catheter, might mean doing a poo routine, might like those things require a sense of empathy that I think a lot of people are not ready to explore. Yeah. I think that a lot of people can tend to feel like if they open up their hearts, like people are going to take something from them. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's a really common thing in our culture that it's scary yeah. for people to get out of their headspace and live from their heart space a little bit more. And like selflessly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and also I think a lot of people are like, I don't want to be inconvenienced. It's, yeah. it's almost like I, if, if you're going to make me feel like I'm an inconvenience, then we can't fucking hang out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, if you're going to do that, then for, like, fuck right off. No. Yeah, like, this life isn't easy, but I don't need a reminder <laughs> or some, you know, I don't need to feel like it's um, too, too hard. I don't need to feel like it's too hard for you to be my friend. And that's been really, uh, that's been really challenging. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, and I, I understand the feeling of being a feeling like you might be an inconvenience. It's really hard. Mm-hmm. Like I sit with that every single day when I do the work that I do, when I hang out with friends, when I think about like having sexy times, I think about that all the time. Am I going to inconvenience this person? Am I going to be in the way? Are they going to like me? It's right. so hard. It's um, so hard. And like every time you have to ask for help, it still is hard for me. And it never get ready because it never fucking goes away. It's I, never gonna leave you. I know. It'll be there forever. Like gotta figure it out. I was like, I don't think this is going anywhere. Yeah, no, it's, it's gonna be it's gonna be your best friend forever. That weird feeling of insecurity will be there forever. God. Um What an ego challenge, I tell you what. Right? I mean, fuck. Tell me about your movie. Tell me about Move On. I want to hear all about it. Oh my god. Move me is Oh, I said it wrong. Sorry, sorry. Move me. Sorry, I said move on. Move me, yes. Okay. Um, Move me has been five years in the making, and um, it is about my journey 
becoming disabled and how I grapple with hope and acceptance and how I find dance again. Oh, cool. Yeah, while at the same time struggling with whether I should participate in this clinical trial. So it's like this strange dichotomy of coming into my own as a person with a disability while I'm also reaching for possibly regaining some function or sensation. Yep. Um, and so I'm, I'm really like getting into this, how do I hold these two seemingly conflicting things of hope and acceptance at the same time and um, learn who I am as an artist and as a woman with a disability. That's big. Like, why did you? Now I've done some docs. I've done some doco work. It's cool. It's it's a slog. It's hard. I'll send you. I'll send you my film. Yeah, you can let me know what you think. Uh, but so I've done doco work. It's hard. They're in your face pretty much every day for like a year and a half. They they were for me pretty much every day for a year and a half, mm-hmm. filming everything I did, it's like you know, and trying to craft a story out of my day to day. Vulnerable, yeah. Like it's really hard. How how did you decide you wanted to put this on film, put this journey on film? Uh, you know, this is, that's a really good question because things changed a lot. I started this film um, wanting to find answers regarding a cure for spinal cord injury. I wanted to regain function or sensation and so I went around the country for like three months in my car and spoke with different researchers um, who were tackling those issues and different people in the spinal cord injury community and the film really morphed kind of divinely because we figured out we didn't have the footage that we needed to craft that story. And almost thank goodness, right? Like almost divine. It was all, yeah, it was like divine intervention because at that time my life shifted a lot. And my friend Gabriel, who's a musician, he goes by freak F R E A Q U E. He's amazing. Amazing. Um, He's also, he's a C five quad. And, um, he wanted to dance. He had been, he's been paralyzed since he was 15 and he decided to write music that made him want to dance. And he came up to me and was like, Hey, I know you haven't danced post-injury. I know that's scary to you, but I need you. Like, do you want to choreograph this show for me? And I was like, Oh, fuck. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Sure. Like once it wasn't, a, I think once it wasn't about me, you know, so much, it was about me showing up for my friend and yeah. like doing something with him. Then it was a lot easier for me to step out of my own head and embrace me as a dancer in a different way. And yeah. so, uh, we started what's called a cripples dance. And, um, the film follows that process, that rehearsal process. And, um, at the same time, my dad got sick. And so there's like these themes of, 
how life is so, life is always changing. Our bodies are always changing. We're always changing. How do we let go of the things that define us and abstract them and move into the flow of life? Yeah. You know? I mean, I think that's such a cool story because you started out like, okay, I'm going to make a video and look for a cure. I'm going to cure this. Right. Fix myself. I'm going to like, and for me, the whole idea of a cure, I guess being born with a disability feels icky. But I can imagine, I, I totally respect that for some people, a cure is what's going to make them happy and what's going to make them feel okay. And I think, you know, I'm really pleased for you that you that it shifted because cause I, I can't imagine the pain you'd have to go through when they were like, there isn't one. Uh, best yeah. of luck to you. Yeah. And it's, it's, I think the biggest thing was like, I don't, I, I realized like, well, I don't think I ever thought I need to be fixed. Like that was never the, my, the narrative. That's gross. No, (laughs) you know, like, but I realized like I can, I am happy in this body the way it is. I, I love myself and I'm learning how to love myself on a deeper level all the time. And yes, I do. Some functional recovery would be awesome. Like if I could poop on my own, if I could have an orgasm. Oh, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. Let's definitely talk about that. If I could have some hand function, like functional recovery or sensation would be great. It would improve my quality of life, but I don't need it. Yeah. Like that's what's shifted for me is like, I'm doing it. I'm doing my thing. But I mean, I do want you to have that orgasm because like. Oh, that's happening. Who does it, it's happened or it's happening? Okay, so that's, those are two different, okay, so (laughs) it has happened, but the funny thing is, is like, I mean, not so much funny, but just strange and new and weird. I can have an orgasm, and I know that I am based on my physical response, like my legs, my spasms go off, but I don't feel it in the same way whatsoever oh that's no fun it's no it's not nearly as fun no i still feel like the i still feel like this like release not the same way not as satisfying but i definitely feel like there's there's like a, a an eruption of like something in my in my body you know like there's if there is like a. Can we pause for one minute? Someone knocked on my door. Hang on. Yeah, yeah, totally. One sec. Come and knock on my door. One second. Yeah. My light bulb in my shower went out, so they're just fixing it for me. Oh, sweet. Are you in an apartment? Yeah. Where do you live? Toronto. Cool. You should come visit. Oh my god, I would love to. Come hang out in the summertime when it's warm. Yes, that'd be so fun. Toronto. I've never been to Toronto. I've been to Vancouver. Close, but not Toronto. Really far from Vancouver. Yeah, Vancouver's on the other. Vancouver's on the west part of the country. Toronto's in the east. Oh yeah. Sorry, my geography. So it's like Canada kind of sucks. Like if, if thank you. It's like if I lived in California and you lived in, so I live in like Boston and you live in California. 
Totally, totally. Yeah, but you're not that. So I wonder how far it is from uh, Wisconsin. Mm. So what do you write above, like as far as the states go? I'm right above like New York. Cool. I'm on like New York time. Right on. You like Toronto? Mm, it's okay. I'm a small town kid. I Did you grow? Are you Canadian? Did you grow up in Canada? Yeah. I was born in the States, born in California, and I then I was pr- a preemie. I came as a total surprise, mm. and then I was raised in Canada. Thank God for free health care. Thank God. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah, the, the guy left. We can get back <laughs> to our sexy talk. Yeah. Bam, chicken, bam, bam. Bam, chicken, bam. Uh, so, so, okay, so you were saying, you were saying that. I might just leave that in. That was hilarious. So you were saying that... Um, you know, you don't have orgasms in the same way. Which no. Kind of sucks. It does suck. It's sad. It's a big, I'm a very sexual person. I always have been. And I've loved that about myself. I've um, always been very curious. I was a early bloomer, you know, diddling like uh, by second grade for sure. And. Oh, yeah. Like, I was Learning like, about your body in second grade is important. It's important. Yeah. Like, I mean, it was, I was like, this is, feels cool. This is fun. What's this? <laughs> <laughs> What's this? What's this thing? Um, and I loved my sex life. You know, I was, I was clocking orgasms and having fun and, and exploring and, and I feel like, it's something as a as a female that's kind of rare, you know. So I felt like lucky in that way. Um, and then I got injured, and that completely changed. <laughs> as in, like guys didn't want to engage anymore. That, and I felt like I didn't feel sexy anymore. I felt really removed. Yeah. From my body and therefore my sexuality. And so it was just really hard to to reconnect and to feel like comfortable with I think it wasn't it was it wasn't as easy when you you know you're not in it for the pleasure as much because it's not like I'm like, hey, let's hook up. Thanks yeah, this feels good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like you have to connect to a different part of pleasure, which is like intimacy and togetherness. And a lot of guys on the Tinder or people on the apps, they're not in it for intimacy. They want to one and done and thank you, see you later. Like, bye. Like, And mm-hmm. so I think our disabilities force us to have to look for pleasure through intimacy and connection. And that's hard for a lot of people. Yeah. And I think there's, on top of that, like, I had to explore like all these and I still am exploring like these new pathways to pleasure and, and what sex looks like for me and feels like and, um, embracing that. What do you think some of the the pathways are? And like letting go of the sex I used to have and like the way it's, you know, like detaching from the able-bodied sex, which is really challenging because it was so fun and it felt so good. And so I, I, the first time I had sex, I was like, 
really relieved because I, it was five years later, first of all, like I, oh, that's half a decade that I didn't have sex, which is insane. Yeah. Me. I was going to say like, like, wow, that's a long time. That's a really long time. But that's how like deep that wound was for me. You know, like I was so scared to like be that vulnerable. I didn't think it was going to be fun anymore. I was worried, is he going to have a good time? Am I going to be enough for someone? Yeah. Oh my God. That feeling never goes away. Never goes away. We'll always have it. That's a fun one. Um, And so when I finally did, I was actually really relieved. Like, I I mean, it wasn't, I I knew it wasn't going to be the way it was, um, but I also didn't know it was going to feel as good as it did to just like be intimate again and to connect with someone and to feel these new sensations and that's erotic you know like that's fun and exciting to be like ooh, I didn't know that my dysreflexia could feel good I didn't know that either I always thought it my my friend when I was in college my college roommate had it and he always made it to be it to be this really scary thing so I didn't know that it could feel good at all. How does it, how, how does dyslexia make you feel good? Well, it's so like normally I get dyslexic, you know, if I'm in pain or if I have to pee or if I have to poo. But when you're, when I was intimate, I knew that like, okay, um, like as soon as he penetrated me, I got dysreflexic and I was like, whoa, because I knew that that's what was happening. That connection with my dysreflexia became this like erotic, fun thing because I knew that I, that I was safe and I knew that like I wasn't in pain because I trusted him and I knew it was happening. And so it was, it was so interesting how like, oh, this sensation is like, fun and it's moving through me and it's my body responding to to sex and like how cool is that you know i mean that's awesome i because when my when my friend had it all all he ever said was it's scary and i could die from this and i was always like oh, oh, oh no so i always saw maybe it. i'm a masochist <laughs> which is cool yeah. whatever so i never knew that it was like something that could be sexy what other ways have you kind of reframed pleasure for yourself? I feel like it's still very much an exploration. And right now it's a solo exploration for me, <laughs> which is, which is really fun. And I'm enjoying it. I'm taking, um, do you know who Che Che Luna is? The name rings a bell. They're on Instagram. They're this beautiful, wonderful non-binary person. Um, and a pleasure educator and I'm taking their sensual self-care academy nice. and it's like this really beautiful fun sensual exploration and that's been really that's been a game changer for me honestly because I've been totally digging into all of the senses and therefore my body and how to play and and interact and Everything from like dance to taste to um, erotic wordplay, like writing poetry or your fantasies. There's just been so many like fun explorations there that have been opening up my own um, 
ideas of like how to play by myself and with other people and that's like just really been deepening my level of self-love and also like how I see like how excited I am for sharing that with someone else yeah definitely and I'm so glad that you have found something where you can connect with all those things and not lose that sense of fun even though like your disabilities can sometimes be fucking hard and people and it's scary and I think finding those pathways to pleasure as a disabled person is just really hard sometimes and the fact that you you have sought out ways to make it not just about the physical but also about your mental health is really important too I think yeah I think it's just making me more comfortable with exploring my body on on my own and then when I do explore with a partner I'll I I feel like I'll be that much more comfortable and curious. Um, So that's exciting. I think also it's like with the dysreflexia thing, I do think like kink and um, like the idea of more pressure and like. I love pressure. It's my favorite thing. Yeah, because it does create a thing my body hears it more loudly than other things yeah um so like pain in a way obviously that's safe and like pressure in a way that's safe where it's hard enough deep enough and does create a reaction will be really fun yeah for me pressure any kind of bodily pressure from with my cp because i'm spastic all the time it feels really good because the pressure allows me to have a spasm but also not like go like this or have a really jump or be like super mm-hmm. uh, super spastic but just have the spasm but still feel safe with that person because there's enough pressure there if that makes sense yeah totally what's your sensation like do you have full sensation i can feel everything um That's I'm, cool. lu- I'm lucky but since i lost the ability to pee and have to use a catheter i found that because i have to insert a catheter four times a day the sensation in my penis is a lot less than it was because of the trauma of the catheter going in and out all the time so that's been a fun (laughs) fun thing to learn about right no no I can't I mean I can still feel it but also like you know I used to be able to like I'll be really blunt I used to be able to to come like that no problem and now that I can't go pee sometimes I'll be sitting in my chair watching Grey's Anatomy, you're watching TV, and my body will just decide, oh, it's release time. Great. It's like, oh, I didn't I love understand. that Grey's Anatomy was your go-to. <laughs> well, listen, the doctors on that show were hot 20 years ago, not so much anymore. But What are they ago. on now, like season 17? Like 18, almost 19? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, stop it. I thought I was, like, undershooting it. Wow. It no, was no, good for the first few like for the five. first like five years, it was great, and then what? Yeah. What happened? But like, yeah. So I've lost the ability to kind of to do that, and so I'll kind of release whenever my body decides it's time, which can be really embarrassing depending on where I am. And and then when I do have time with a person, my body will be like, "Oh, there's someone here. We're not going to release now." <laughs> and it's like, "Oh, great. Well, that's fun." Oh my god! So like, you'll act. You can. You'll actually orgasm without any kind of stimulation sometimes yeah that's interesting and part of me is like is it a superpower or do i hate it like i'm not sure how i feel about it because i'm like do i like it like sometimes i'll be on the train 
going to see my mom quietly reading a book and my body will just be like, it's time to just, and then I'll just, okay. it'll happen. You'll and do like, simultaneously orgasm. Yeah. Without, without any, I'm not thinking about sex. I'm not feeling sexy. Stop it. Yeah. I'm not even kidding. You are a fucking superhero. Like, is it a, is it a superhero? But you know, it's, it's an, it's upsetting after it happens because it's like, I wanted that to be an exciting, sexy thing. Yeah. And it's not. And not on the bus while you're reading. <laughs> yeah. A book. Or something. Yeah. Yeah. Like something really serious. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Um, so. Wow. That's wild. Like, I understand the, similarly, the, the feeling of like, is it, is this going to be okay? Is this going to feel good? Not the, obviously through the same loss of function, but I get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's a, it is a loss and a new existence. And so you're having to adapt and that's not like easy. constantly. And it's really, yeah. and like then sometimes I'll, spontaneously orgasm and then have to be like hi attendant care worker can you come and help me change my pants and they're like why and i'm like i don't want to tell you why could you just do it we don't talk about why right totally so Ugh. like that can be really hard and like and then you know i work with sex workers so i'll pay them all this money to spend time with me which is great and i'm so thankful that there are resources that i can access Good but also you, but also i'm like i want to I want to come with you and I can't do that if my body doesn't let me do that. It's like, like sometimes I'll spend two fifty an hour for a hot sex worker to come and do what they do. And they're always like, why aren't you coming? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Like I'm into this. I like it, but it's not happening. Right. Like, I don't know. I probably wish I could. I'm into you. Like really, I promise I am. Oh my God. It's not you. It's me. It's my body for sure. Sorry. Oh, that's frustrating. And so, like, like I, I, and how do you figure out why? You know, like, why? Like everything I've read on the Google says spontaneous orgasm happens and it's fine. And I'm like, that's great that it's fine, but what about the emotional part of it? Right. Totally. Like, thanks for telling me it's okay, but I still want to figure out how to come when I want to. When I want to, and not on the yeah. train when I'm trying to, like, yeah. <laughs> I was learning um, about the vagus nerve. Have you heard of this? Yeah, the big nerve that goes from your like brain to your foot. Yeah, and it is. I've done a little bit of research about the vagus nerve in relation to spinal cord injury, and it seems like it could be. I have some research to do on my own, but the vagus nerve bypasses the spinal cord. And so with women, you can, even in spinal cord injury, you can still achieve orgasm apparently because of that connection from the vagus nerve from the brain to the clit. Yeah. And in men, it goes actually to the prostate. So like in, and I'm not sure like, So I think with any like paralysis, if you stimulate, hypothetically, if you stimulated the prostate, you could potentially still achieve orgasm, even though you might not have function or sensation. Oh, thanks to try it sometime with my sex worker. 
Yeah, so there's like some exploration to be done there. I'll do some reading. I'll do some reading myself. Keep me posted, and I will keep you posted. But there's been some some re- you should look up the vagus nerve. I'll do my homework and and we'll see, compare like, notes. There's also like I guess involving like your voice is a big part of it, especially for women. Weird. Yeah. Like, like deep, like low moaning is supposed to like, is supposed to like engage like more of an orgasm, like a bigger orgasm. Because it connects to the vagus nerve when you like emit these like low tones. I'm such a quiet comer. I can't, I got, I can't. It's part of my own self shame. It's like, oh no, I can't make a noise. What the hell? No. Let it fly, baby. You're just gonna have to like, release fly your freak flag and get weird with it that's what and i should spell freak f-r-e-a-q-u-e amen awesome good i'll do that um so one of the things i wanted to do one of the things you put in the form and i have a weird relationship with this but i'm curious to hear yours you wanted to talk about the disability and the divine and i wanted i wanted to give you space to do that because i am not a religious person in any stretch of the imagination but i me neither Oh, that was not what I gleaned from your thing. So tell me all the stuff. I think I, that's funny. I forgot I even put that in there. But I'm, but yeah, let's talk about it. I feel like I've I'm not a religious person, but I'm a deeply spiritual person. And so, like the you know, I've detached a lot from God. I think God is is hard for me. Like thinking of like the divine or spirit or the creator or um, whatever you want to call it, you know, like God is a typical term for me, you know, like growing up Christian and having this like idea of God as this like man in the sky. So I've ditched that a long time ago. And as I've found my own spirituality post injury, really, I think is when I, dug into that more um because it's been a way for me to ask the universe like what the fuck yeah um how do i move forward what what am what am i doing and and i've leaned into you know i have oracle decks where i ask for guidance you know i pull a card and and see what it has to tell me. And, and I find like, I think there's a lot of stigma around that and like tarot and. Yeah. There's a lot of like woo woo. Yeah. You know, there's a, that, that woo woo like bullshit and like, whatever you can think what you want, but that's also like very tied to the patriarchy and it's yeah, definitely. and stupid. And, and people think that it's like, crazy magic witchery and it's like evil it's like no and witchery witchery is fucking awesome if it was not like great sure exactly exactly um but it's become a way for me to connect with myself and my experience and if and i believe that i have spirit guides you know and i have angels looking out for me and that want to help me and and so I've leaned into that and I ask for help from them. And and that's been really beautiful and helpful for me to open up to 
the magic and wonder and the unknown and I can hear and I can it. hear disabled people in the comments being like huh magic and disability and so I know where you're going but like can you unpack like what what do you mean by like the magic what do I mean by the magic I think what I mean is that I needed to find healing and I think digging into my own spirituality and my place in the universe and my purpose and and why and like why I'm here and what I have to give yeah um was really important for me because I know that some people with disabilities, the way we talk about magic, they'll be like, oh, you're disabled and you're so magical, like, good for you. And oh, so no, like, fuck no, no. Yeah, see, I knew that. I just wanted you to clarify that that's what no. we're talking about. No, I don't, like, I'm, that's so not, I think, and I don't think it's, like, so much in terms of, like, connect connecting, like, in, like, a broad, vague way, divine and disability. I think it's more, like, Hey, how can we as as just human beings be more connected to who we are and love ourselves more? And yeah. for me, like a big part of that was opening up to my own spirituality and, and asking questions that I hadn't asked before to my guides, to my to myself and like taking the time to meditate more and to be more connected to my entire being. Yeah. And did you do this pre-injury too, or is this something that you came? I started doing yoga when I was, and I think that was when I really started to get more connected to my spirituality and, and more like who I am as an entire spirit, physical being. You know, Um, and to really like slow my mind down and be more present. And I think to start to ask like, hey, as I am in this moment, what do I have to give to the world? What do I want to give more importantly? Like, not that I feel obligated to because of anything, but what do I feel like my gifts are and what do I want to give to the world? Yeah. And for me, that's a really fun question, you know, and it, makes, and it makes me feel, yeah, it makes me feel good to think about like, I have a, I have something fucking awesome to offer the world and I, and none of us should ever doubt that. Yeah. And maybe it is, you know, something we've learned because of our circumstance. Maybe it's not. Maybe, you know, like what it doesn't really matter whether you're disabled or not, it just matters about you digging into who you are in this moment. If that makes sense, yeah, totally does, and I totally agree. And I'm glad that your disability kind of helped you see that in a bigger way for yourself. I mean, because you've talked a lot in this interview, you said a couple times now that you, you know, you have to learn to love yourself better. So, I'm curious, in what ways do you love your disabled self? I love that I am a 
a fucking badass to be honest like yeah i you know like i at the same time i'm i listen to like when i i think i've gotten a lot more comfortable with setting boundaries and not doing things because i feel obligated to i love that about my disabled self that i've become a lot better at staying true to myself that i've become a lot better at listening to my intuition yep um that i underestimated myself and then i proved myself wrong you know like so many people would say oh you're so strong i don't think i could do what you do and it's like you don't you hate it when people say that i hate it when people don't say that know, though and it's you like don't know. and it's when people say that to me and i've had people really close to me with the nicest of intentions say that to me and i'm always like you you you'll have to when it comes for you because you will like you're gonna have to do what i do because when you become disabled through old age or an accident or something you're gonna find that strength and do it for yourself because that's what we as humans do we have to adapt you will adapt like all the rest of us had to so and like i know they think it's a compliment but it's never it's never a compliment it always feels so weird yeah totally it's interesting too because like there are there have been so many you know moments where I'm like God if someone offered me a cure right now would I take it because I always thought I'd be like yes a hundred percent like done deal I want I would go back to things exactly the way they were but now I'm like fuck I don't I don't know. I I, th- I think I, I if if somebody pulled up if me if Morpheus from fucking the Matrix came to my house was like I have two pills for you one red one blue the blue one gives you a cure the red one nothing will change and I took the blue one or whatever it was whatever pill and he said it'll cure you I think for a day if it was twenty four hours I would take it because I want to know what it's like to like run right. and jump and somersault and like 100 but then you think about like wait do i get to like still be me like do i get to like you know learn like do i still have my knowledge of being uh, yeah yeah like do i still have my understanding and what if i if i'm all of a sudden able-bodied like i think about like all of the things that would change and that's intense to think about you know like I yeah think about, yeah oh like I'm now a part of this community that I love and there are so many things that I've learned and there's so many like gifts that was one thing is that like okay yeah like maybe I would change this in a in a second but at the same time like when I was able to like see the gifts that this injury has given me and like tell me tell me what the gifts are what are the gifts you know like what i've fucking learned i think the gifts have been like i've learned so much more about who i am and like i've unpacked so much of my self that i never would have fucking known you know like and I've learned so much about being just a better version of myself and loving people more. And, and I've faced 
adversity in a way that I don't think I ever would have experienced. And that shit has made me a better fucking person. And then yeah, because yeah. of your disability, you get to have a movie on PBS. I mean, <laughs> yeah. And I get I mean, to, yeah. I have, I have this amazing, um, I'm a filmmaker now and, um, I dance and get have this, um, badass dance company with these kick-ass humans and we get to we got to tour and show people this beautiful piece of art um i have this kick-ass car that gets me around that i love you know like there's there's been a lot of changes in my life and new people that have come in and places i've gone and things I've seen and things I've learned and connections I've made that I just never would have. And it would just would have been different. You know, I don't know what it would have been like. Yeah. But you would have lost, you would have to start all over again. Yeah. If I were to become able-bodied again, I would, who knows what would happen. (laughs) It's a weird hypothetical to think about. Yeah. But it's like, it's, it's one that I like to pose because I think about it all the time. I think about what it would be like to run. I think about what it would be like to like jump. I think about what it would be like to, if we're going in, in the sexy route, I think about what it would be like to like be able to thrust my hips and have to fuck somebody. Like, I think oh my about God. It. Yes. Like, like what are your top three things you would do if you were magically able-bodied? Wow. I would somersault. I would run really fast. Somersault. Cause I've never done it. I have no idea what it feels like. I would do that. And I would. <laughs> I would thrust my hip into a dude. <laughs> yeah. I would thrust myself into a dude a, a bunch of times. Yes. Oh my God. I love that. And I would play with like being an alpha top forever and ever because I don't know what that is. I don't know what, what that feels that? like. Right. Totally. Yeah. I would definitely ride some D. <laughs> I would. I love how that was your first. That was of the three. That was your first. Yeah, every anyone who's listening to this who knows me knows that's my first. Um, I would take a hot shower by myself. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! And I would dance. And I would stand in the shower for like two hours. Yes. Because do you have care to do your showers? You have a, a PPA mm-hmm. come in, so you know how quick they have to be. It's never you can't luxuriate in the shower. Exactly, to get luxurious. Yeah, like, you don't have time for that. So it's boom, boom, clean the bits and get the fuck out. Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Yeah. Like, I would die for a 45-minute shower where I didn't have to do anything. Or an hour, or like two hours of me just in the shower. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I wanted to, I think the big thing for me, too, with, like, connecting with my spirituality, I just wanted to touch back on this for a second. Yeah, yeah. I had so many questions and I did, I'm, I didn't know how to answer them and I needed help, you know? And I think for me, like asking those questions to my cards, to the fucking universe was really helpful and for me to like surrender to the flow and say yes to things again and really like believe in myself. You know what I mean? Like I was yeah. just like, Take me into like connecting me with people and like let's go on this wild ride. I want to like 
I, I just, I needed to like connect, reconnect with myself. And I think that was the way my, that was just my way. It was like asking the, the universe, what's up? Yeah. I could sit and talk with you for like three more hours. I had so much fun today. This was so. I had so much fun. Thank you so much. Oh my God. This is so exciting. And I'm, I'm going to send you a copy of my film because I want you to, to see what I did a couple of years ago and see like your thoughts. And then if there's a screener that you can like easily send to me, I would love to see it. Sneakily, I will. I'm so honored to be on your podcast. I was kind of nervous because. Oh no, whatever. It's me. I know, but it's like, I, I care so much about, about our people. And I, I like want to like show up and be cool and also be vulnerable. And it's just like. Okay, here I am. Let's do this. Oh, you did it today. There were moments in this episode where I was like, we're both going to start crying. What's going on? I love that. It was great. I had so much fun. And I, I definitely want to be like friends post-interview. It was a good time. Yes, um, I'm so down. We are friends. Uh, 100%. There for it. And I will be there for you when you want to ride, when you like need to find somebody to ride their D. I'll be your wing person. Yeah. Like, yeah, let's do it. Oh my god, we're like Goose and Maverick right now. Yeah, well just, yeah, Gimp and Maverick, there you go. Gimp and Maverick. Uh, I adore you, thank you so much for sharing your awesomeness with the world and your your knowledge and just this whole thing is gorgeous. Oh no, thank you. Um, So we're putting this out around the time your film comes out on PBS. Do you, at the time of this recording, we're putting this out in like, the end of next year, maybe 2023. We don't know yet, but, <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah, I'm not sure what our um, date is yet, but we will be on Independent Lens the 2022-23 calendar. So likely end of this year, beginning of next year. Okay. So yeah, if you're hearing this in your ear holes, it's either like November of 2022 or it's like January 2023. Um, yeah. Yeah, so go and watch Move Me on PBS uh, whenever that happens. <laughs> we don't know the date yet, but whenever that happens. And follow me on Instagram. Yeah, follow Kelsey on Instagram. How do the people do that? Um, either Move Me Movie, Move Me Movie. Smart. Or um, my Marketing. personal is The Superior Siren. Amazing. Yeah. I'll make sure I'll make sure that all that's in the show notes. Um this was so fun. You are a badass. And I really wanna title the episode The First Thing I Would Do is Write Some D. Yes. <laughs> that's what I wanna call it. So bad. Um yeah. Amazing. Amazing. That's what I'm that's what I'm gonna have to call it that. Too funny. Yeah. Uh this this was fantastic. I loved every second of it. You're the best. Kelsey Peterson, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Bye. Bye. All right, friends, that's another episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories. I was, of course, your delectable daddy host, Andrew Grizza. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for listening and shining a bright light on disability stories with me. If you want to follow all my work and see all my links and all the cool stuff I'm doing, you can head over to my new website, aagerza.com. And all my stuff is there. My social links are there. My website is there. My podcast is there. 
everything is there, and you can follow along with the show that way. If you want to leave a review for the show, please do so wherever you get your podcasts. It really does help keep the bright lights shining on this show. If you want to support the show financially and get the show one day early completely ad-free, as well as a shout-out on the air, consider pledging as little as $1 a month or $5 a month or more by going to patreon.com slash disability after dark. Stay comfy, cozy, and crippled, and we'll shine a bright light on disability stories next time. Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was created, recorded, and produced by Cripple & Co. Productions and Andrew Gerza. Any and all use of materials, graphics, audio recordings, etc. cannot be used or distributed without express permission. If you would like to use an episode of the podcast or license an episode of the podcast on your website, please consider emailing Andrew Gerza and Cripple & Co. Productions at disabilityafterdarkpod at gmail.com. Copyright 2022.